Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new edition of Comadres y Comics. We call it, we're calling this the Quarantine Edition. And today on our very first Quarantine Edition episode, we have Daniel Calvo. Daniel Calvo is, uh, he's a fellow I met at Nertino 2019 in Pennsylvania. Uh, since then, he has become editor-in-chief of Concrete Comics. He is also um, creating his own uh, creator-owned comic book, Andy Starboy, welcome to the episode. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Excellent. All right. All right. Excellent. We are having a beer Cheers. on the show. Cheers. The beer. <laughs> we weren't going to do this, but uh, Danielle suggested we have a beer on the podcast while we're doing our interview. Well, yeah, you know, this is Comadres and Comics. You guys review beers and, you know, I like beer. It's like my dream podcast. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. Um, I want our audience to know more about you. So um, since I met you, you become editor-in-chief from Concrete Comics. Um, can you tell us more about the behind the scenes of how you became editor-in-chief? Can you also tell us how you began working at Concrete Comics? Uh, you are transitioning, uh, translating comic books from, uh, for Concrete Comics from English to Spanish also. I thought that was amazing. Uh, also, I wanted to know, um, is that, was that the goal from the beginning with Concrete Comics was to translate all the issues they release into Spanish? Wow, okay. Uh, <laughs> um... Okay, so when I became editor-in-chief at Concrete Comics, it was in January this year. I had been working as an editor there for about four to five months. I think I started uh, at Concrete Comics around May 2019. So, yes, one of my objectives was to introduce more Latino, Latino creators into the company and introduce more Latino characters. And... I think translations uh, to Spanish are one of the best ways of reaching a new audience as well, because, you know, not everybody in the world speaks English. And I, I think it's amazing that, that we do that. I think it's amazing that we can reach a new audience. I think it's amazing that we are expanding our reach and introducing our culture and to other cultures and receiving that feedback. I think it's beautiful, honestly. So how did you how did you meet up with the guys at Concrete Comics? I mean, it looks like they instantly love you. I mean, you just started with them like what is it mid last year, and already you're editor in chief. Can you tell us more about that? I think it's mostly my Cuban charm. I I just I will. <laughs> um, I work hard. I mean, I I edited uh, I edited all the books for the first Kickstarter. I developed a great relationship with them. It was funny because the so I came I came to the states from Cuba about a year and three months ago. So I'm pretty fresh. I'm fresh off the boat. Um, 
so yeah, the, after my first two months uh, when I got here, my main objective was I want to work in comics. That's my dream all of my life. And now that I'm in the States, you know, I'm going to work hard for it. So I got in touch with them and I sent them a couple scripts and the CEO of the company, Lonzo Star, he said, wow, man, you're, you're pretty good. Uh, uh, he really liked it. And I started working with him. And as I was working with him, he, he asked me if I could be his editor for his book. And, you know, as I was editing his, then the other guy said, hey, you want to edit my book? And I, I was like, sure. Then the other guy said, hey, you want to edit my book? Sure. I'm, I'm down. Uh, because I, I want to work and I love to work and I love the craft. And it's amazing to see editing is very unique because you are not working in your own book per se but you feel it as it is your baby too, because your name is in it too. And you help to make this work achieve its maximum potential. Uh, because we all need help, you know, two, two minds think better than one mind. And I see it as helping a creator get to the point they really want to get by following their, their guidelines and their passions and I think it's amazing to develop that relationship with another creator and that relationship with a book that sounds amazing uh, I don't know if you've listened to previous episodes of Comadres y Comics but we emphasize the importance of an editor or just a second look at your work because sometimes uh, the unsung hero of a comic book is definitely the editor because they catch your mistakes they see how things are not transitioning from one scene to the next I mean we we really highly we're fans of the editor for sure um, that is super awesome. That's really awesome to hear. It's so recent that you're here. You have taken such, such an amazing role at Concrete Comics. And uh, because obviously your work speaks loudly because all the other guys wanted you to edit their book, which I think is awesome. Um, I'm glad you said that that's like your passion. I want to know more about why comic books. Why do you love, how did this love for comic books begin, this love affair? I don't think there was a time in my life where I didn't love comics. Um, growing up in Cuba, uh, so I'm from Havana, born and raised, representing Havana. Uh, so there are no American comics in Cuba at all, you know, censorship and all that. But once a year, there would be this big international book fair in which people from several other countries would donate books and sell them in Cuba. And a lot of people from Mexico and from Chile and Peru and Argentina would donate old comic books and they would donate all Marvel and DC comics from the 80s. So I'm talking about early John Byrne stuff, uh, uh, Walt Simonson. I'm talking about the very awesome 80 runs and some image comics. So, of course, every time that I would go there with my mom as a six-year-old and seven-year-old, I remember the first comic I ever saw was uh, Captain America, which to me was so shocking because communist Cuba, and then you suddenly see Captain America <laughs> with the American flag, and he's a superhero. How is this guy the hero? And it was a very awesome way for me to open myself not only to a new medium, but to new ways of thinking. And I think that was my 
first experience with American culture for real, like that first uh, Captain America comic. And then I just, I would just go back every single year and get more comics and more comics and more comics. And as I was growing up, you know, I finally got access to internet. Cuba started to have access to internet about in 2016, 17. So I started to go online and download comics and, and read more comics and learn. And yeah, I mean, I think there's not a time in my life where I wasn't in love with comics and wish comics have played such a big role in my formation and in my life and even in the way I speak. I mean, I learned most of my English from comics because I wanted to learn how, what they were saying in the comics. So I started to learn <laughs> I started to learn English just so I could read them. And it's just, it's a very beautiful relationship I have with it. Honestly, it's the medium that raised me more than animation, more than films, is comics. Co comics raised Daniel DeCabo. There, you, you can quote me on that. Awesome, I love it. I love that. You know, I learned how to speak better in Spanish by uh, doing uh, Yahoo Messenger, which is probably saying to everybody out there how old I am. But <laughs> um, anyway, uh, you have done work for comics like Acolyte, Absor Absolver, published by Concrete Comics. You even started a blog called Concrete Spotlight, where you have interviewed the likes of Javier Hernandez, creator of El Muerto, Sara Perez, a comic book artist, Gustavo Vargas, creator of Trujillo, and Sam Bragg, creator of Hooves, of death, which I think is a hilarious title. Uh, you're getting ready to start a Kickstarter of your creator-owned comic, Andy Starboy, that will be published by Concrete Comics. Can you please tell us more about Andy? I want to know everything. Uh, when is your Kickstarter starting? What are some of the rewards that uh, we can look forward to? Well, I can't tell you everything because you know I can't. I can't just spoil it. I gotta save something, but you know. Uh, so basically, Andy Starboy is a science fiction superhero story about in Roswell, New, uh, an alternate reality in which in Roswell, New Mexico, there have been several space alien crafts crashing there since 1947, and this is a very regular thing. And as a result, people have started to develop mutant powers. And um, technology has advanced immensely. And people who develop uh, mutant powers, they get locked in a ghetto, which is called the area, the low income area number 51, which is a pun on the area 51 thing. And Andy Starboy is a young mutant, uh, son of a Mexican immigrant family, who gets the opportunity. Arriba, mi hermano! Uh, so. <laughs> so and uh, he gets the opportunity to star in his own reality show as the first mutant superhero so he becomes sort of like the media figure that of the mutant community and at the same time i showed through andy starboy a lot of the hardships of being a latino in the united states and a lot of the immigrant experience I mean, technically, I created a comic about a Mexican alien. I mean, it can't get any more, <laughs> it can't get any more obvious than that. So I, I wanted to show a little more about the immigrant experience and a lot of my experience as 
someone who coming from another country. And so what can you expect from the Kickstarter? You can expect a kick-ass, awesome comic. You can expect some awesome content. Um, we are working on some great art, uh, prints, shirts. Uh, you will get access to other Concrete Comics titles. We have, we have more content coming from our other titles as well. And we work as a unit. So when one of us releases a Kickstarter, there will usually be content from the other books as well, uh, included as part of the reward. So you can get this awesome shirt. I'm, I'm the model for, for the company, by the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can get this shirt. You can get some awesome uh, customs. You can get access to maybe early access to future Acolyte and Absolver uh, comics. You never know. So you got to stay tuned. You got to stay tuned and support the Kickstarter and see what we come up. We are also having some awesome guest artists doing surprise prints. Some pretty names, some pretty big names in the industry and in animation that will make an appearance. So you got to stay tuned. You got to stay tuned. For our listeners out there who need to save up their money during this time for the Kickstarter, about when is it maybe going to come out? Oh, it should come out by September, October, November. It shouldn't. Yeah, we don't. We don't think that. I mean, it would be difficult <laughs> at this time. And honestly, we at Concrete Comics care about the people, and we care about our readers, and we know that people right now that's not their priority so i think that yeah that's gonna be that's gonna be a later release but it's gonna be in 2020 uh, as it was announced and yeah we're, we're expecting to drop some real goodness this year that sounds amazing i can't wait i've been i've been waiting for andy since last year so i'm really excited um especially porque es un paisano Entonces, you know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway, um, you have been very active on social media. You've been creating a lot of content, sharing other creators' work. During this COVID-19 time, what have you learned about yourself? And what are, you, what are your coping mechanisms? What advice can you give other creators out there during these times? Uh, coping mechanisms. <laughs> but besides that, uh, I'm a workaholic. So, so he I, just, uh, for you guys who don't have video uh, uh, access, he just held up a beer. By the way, tell us what you're drinking. I'm drinking, let's see, I didn't even look at the tag. Um, <laughs> Rolling Rock Extra Pale Premium Beer. So, I don't know, should, should I read any more? Like, no, I read any extra? <laughs> that's okay. okay. Well, I'm drinking... 12 F L O Z. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, 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 what I am going to share is I'm, I'm drinking the third installment of cheers. Motherfuckers. The quarantine Whoa. edition. Uh, that yeah, name is a, awesome. It is. And it's the third installment. This is a double, a hazy double IPA and it just came out and it's amazing. Nice. Nice. I'm getting me some. I am getting me some. That name, I just, I got to get a selfie with that. I just got to, I need to, you know, hashtag quarantine life. 
<laughs> yeah, you should definitely do that. They'd really yeah. appreciate them. You should follow them on social media at Beer Thug Life on Instagram. Anyway, you were telling us about your coping mechanisms and your advice to other creators. My advice to other creators is, so I'm a workaholic. I take pleasure in working really hard and I find it to be very good for me mentally and spiritually. I try to spend, but there are moments in which, of course, you need to stop. And I think it's okay if you are not producing as much as you normally do, because this is an extreme situation. This is not a moment in which everybody can flourish and in which everybody can release so much content. So if you can't do it, it's okay. I think that your biggest responsibility is with yourself and your family and to be conscious and to be happy and to stay safe, basically. So I'm releasing a lot of content, but I'm also taking my time to relax and I'm also taking my time to be with family and friends and check in on everybody and catch uh, shows. I, I'm, I'm watching One Day at a Time on Netflix, which is making me so happy. I mean, a Cuban family on Netflix. We made it. Like, <laughs> we made it. So I love it. I love it. It's amazing. And yeah, just try to enjoy. If you are creating, don't just look at it as, I think that's the basics of all creation. If you are going to be a creator and a professional trying to make money out of your art, you should enjoy your art at the same time that you are working. So Try to try to have fun with it. Try to have fun with it and don't burn yourself out. That that would be the basics of my my advice. That's really sound advice. And I'm so glad you said, uh, I'm especially glad you said, don't worry about it if you don't put out as much content. It's okay. Take care of yourself because we at Comadres Comics, uh, we took like, I guess, a sabbatical or something because of this whole thing that happened. And then, you know, I went down a coping mechanism of like work, just work and maybe drinking beer. So, um, and I know Kristen's been running and I know, I mean, we've all had different things that we are dealing with and we're not really meshing together right now. Although we make a great team right now, I think it's a little bit hard for us in a sense, but I'm glad that we're starting to put out content again. And, um, you know, because you got to also, you know, respect the listeners. I mean, they give their time to you and your podcast and I think uh, they deserve some content. And for now to be able to introduce creators such as yourself, I'm really happy to do that. I'm so excited. Um, what was I going to say? Um, I think I will mail you one of these beers if you're up for it. Yeah, definitely. And I wanted to say, I know that you're like, oh, we made it. We made it one day at a time, you know, a Cuban family on Netflix. But let me tell you, I grew up watching Ricky Ricardo on I Love Lucy. And that to me was like, oh, my God, the Latinos are on TV. Yo, listen, Ricky Ricardo kickstarted the whole sitcom genre. He's the unsung creator of sitcoms, which is the ultimate American genre. But you know what? It has that Cuban swagger in it, and it has that 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 Latino flavor to it. That Ricky Ricardo, 
the guy is a hero. The guy is amazing. And cheers to him. Definitely. Cheers to him. I mean, I definitely grew up watching Mexican movies, Los, uh, Los Hermanos Almada, este, el, uh, Mil Máscaras, Blue Demon, este, all that stuff, you know, like Pedro Infante. But definitely seeing Ricky Ricardo in the American television in black and white, just like, it just made my heart happy. I totally, I totally get that. My, my friends call me Ricky Ricardo. Like, when I first got here, I, my accent was so thick that I would go like, yo, everybody, what's up, man? What's up? Oh, ya tu sabes, papi, ya tu sabes. And, and then people, people look at me like, What's, what the hell? It's Ricky Ricardo, Ricky Ricardo. You know, that with that thick American accent that they can't say right, they said Ricky Ricardo. And just, I would just bust my ass with that. That's hilarious. I love it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You recently got a rejection letter from the LA Times. You submitted an article you wrote called The Walk of Mexicali. You write in this article about the protest for female civil rights and how media coverage was very little to non-existent. I have to say, getting through the article was really hard. I had to stop and cry sometimes, tears of anger, before I could continue like reading the rest of it. I learned a lot from your article. I also recalled some trips I had when I was young in Mexico. That phrase burned into their brains, like burned into my brain. That was amazing. Uh, it really sticks out. What compelled you to write this article? Are there any other works like this that you want to share with us? Uh, is this something you want to pursue like as far as journalism? Journalism, I believe, is highly important, especially in today's world. And I think especially honest, raw journalism that talks about the real problems of the world and not just Angelina Jolie's new boyfriend or whatever. I think that what compelled me to write it was basically so I was raised by women. I was raised by my mom, my grandma tough, badass women who taught me how to be a man. Uh, women taught me how to be a man. And, and women, you know, past, past partners, um, friends, most of my friends are women. So I always felt compelled to tell stories about women. And one day I got in touch with this Mexican comic artist, who I had been in, uh, following for a long time on media, and she told me about her experience in the marsh. And, you know, I told her, hey, do you want to, would you like me to write your story? And as I was uh, writing it, I think it's the most painful thing I had to write in my life, because no matter how awful, gory, hideous a story you write, it's always fiction, but when it comes to the lives of people, that's a whole different thing. And as she was telling me about her daily life in Mexico, I mean, that, that place is hell for women. It's just hideous. So definitely I want to pursue that in the future. Uh, the rejection letter from the LA Times, I didn't took it to heart. Um, that might be, I think the style, the, the article was a little graphic in its accuracy. 
And I think that might not be what they are looking for specifically. I don't think they're looking for very graphic content. I sent it to a couple other journals and they didn't take it either. And who knows, maybe I will, uh, some journal will publish it someday. Maybe they won't, but that will remain a piece of my writing and a piece of history that I am proud to have been a part of indirectly as uh, a recorder, as someone who told the story of somebody else. And there's so much gravitas and solemnity in the fact that somebody took their time to tell me such a personal and painful story. And, you know, shout out to the women of Mexico, uh, you know, uh, Bravo a todas las mujeres de México que son las más duras, las más grandes de todo el planeta, de toda Latinoamérica. Son, vaya, todo mi amor y todas mi, mis bendiciones y mi apoyo incondicional por el resto de, de mi vida. Wow, that's really powerful stuff. Uh, just listening you talk about how you felt and how you reached out um, to write this article, I'm wondering if it's something you would consider creating in a like a one shot story in a graphic novel format to introduce this to other people that may not know it exists. I mean, there's a lot of comic books out there like this. Is that something you'd consider? I would definitely consider doing that. Yes, I would like to talk about life in Cuba as well, life under a communist regime, which is something that most people here have a lot of myths about and some things are very exaggerated but most things are very underrated so because people go to cuba and they go as an american and they will enjoy life there and go yeah mulatas uh chicas yay and you know hotels beaches and stuff but that's not life there you know life life there is hard it's painful and I think that's something that I would like to reflect to a level. I do that to a certain level in Andy Starboy. I, I use Andy Starboy as a fictional vehicle for me to tell a lot of uh, stories from the real world. I go, I go into gun violence. I go into racism. I go into segregation. And I go into uh, those problems of violence towards women and, and immigrants. But I would definitely like to tell a more a story in graphic journalism, which is something, you know, you remember Mouse, the, the graphic novel, which is a magnum opus of the comics medium. And I think, I think we need more of that right now. I think we need more of that content, especially with so many stories going on in the world right now. And yeah, that's something that I would definitely love to pursue in the future. And that's something that I definitely will be pursuing in the future. Well, I mean, it, it sounds like it would be something like the anthology, um, I think is Puerto Rico Strong. I don't know if you've read it. Um, that is very much so what I picture this story to be as. And you can do one shots of, you know, life in Cuba and, you know, about this uh, protest. And I think it would like, you'd find an audience for it, definitely. You know what, that would kickstart an awesome an awesome graphic novel or an awesome anthology of several creators of graphic journalism, you know, getting together and telling stories that are relevant beyond the 
we all love superheroes, but you know, but there's a reason why superheroes tell stories about the real world. You know, there's something behind it that we need to focus on and that we need to show as well. So yeah, definitely I would, that's an, um, that's something that I would definitely consider doing. And, you know, shout out to all the creators out there who would like to join me. I'm open. Like I would love to do that. I mean, that sounds amazing. I mean, there's a lot of events and styles of life out there that, you know, have a lot of hardship to them. So I think you definitely find an audience. You would definitely find collaborators, artists, storytellers. I mean, I think this could be a big, beautiful project, I think. Daniel, you came here on a student visa from La Habana, Cuba. Tell mm -hmm. me how that experience was. I mean, as far as you've told me, they haven't given a student visa to anyone in the last 10 years. Tell us all about it. It's a complicated situation. So when in the past years, you know, the whole thing with Obama, Donald Trump and everything, and the politics changes. So they closed the embassy in Havana. So the only embassy that Cubans can go to is British Guyana, which is a crappy little island in the middle of nowhere that I had never been to. It's, it's like Haiti, but worse, if you can believe it. And I went there uh, by myself. I was 18 at the time. My first travel ever outside of Cuba, because traveling is not something that Cubans are able to do. So I went there and I stayed at a, at a Airbnb for 10 days asking for my visa. In that time, uh, let's see, I got a fever <laughs> and I went to my visa interview with a fever and I healed myself by eating a whole lemon. Like I was chewing a lemon as I was walking to the U.S. Embassy <laughs> in Guyana. Uh, I was in an armed robbery at 3 a.m. On my way to the airport back to Cuba, like in the very last day, that's when somebody decided to show up with a gun. <laughs> it's just amazing. Uh, luckily, I, I, I was okay. It was just some, some dumbass who decided to go out at 3 a.m. in Guyana to talk on his cell phone. I mean, who does that? Um, so I got to the United States. Uh, and, you know, I was bouncing from place to place until I got to my, my college, Brinathian College here in Pennsylvania, uh, where I'm studying uh, liberal arts. And it's been an amazing experience. And I appreciate every crazy experience in my life. I just love, I, my favorite writer is Hunter S. Thompson uh, from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. So Gonzo Journalism has had, a big influence in my writing style and in my life in general, because I reflect more and more of my own personal life into what I write. I mean, Andy Starboy is basically me, but green, you know, it's just, but green and with worse hair. Uh, so basically that's that, you know, I just, I try to show as much of my life and I try to live as much as I can. And all those experiences coming to the States, changing my life forever. You know, uh, even the armed robberies and, I don't know, cops and everything, you know, all of that 
influences into who I am as a writer today and as a human being. And I think that's a beautiful experience. You know, um, <clears throat> growing up uh, from uh, Mexican immigrants, uh, my dad and mother immigrated to the United States. My dad has since become a U.S. citizen and my mom was a U.S. resident. But, <laughs> yes, um, one of the things my dad taught me growing up was uh, just by simply the act of doing. He didn't explain it to me or sat me down. He, I would, as a child, I would see him at his desk um, writing his checks and paying all his bills. But not only that, he, whenever he would get like his information for voting, he would sit down with his pamphlet and he would, he would read over the newspaper and read over all the propositions and make his annotations. One of the things that that uh, showed me was one of the things is that I can say is that immigrants make the best U.S. citizens because they stay hungry. One of the things I've noticed about you is that you said you love to work. And I'm just like, I see all the things that you put out and that's only some of the things that you do because obviously in your own life, you do so much more. Um, do you think that's because uh, maybe you grew up with less means than the people here that we grew comfortable with what we have? Oh, definitely. I mean, are you kidding me? It's, I didn't got to use internet until I was 17. I, I didn't know how to use internet. I didn't even have a phone or a, or a laptop or anything. I basically learned how to use internet once I got to the States. And, you know, the thing is you stay hungry because you've been years... The thing is, before coming to the States, I had been writing comic scripts for years, but it was more of a hobby because I knew that as a Cuban, that would never happen for me. God put this opportunity in my past, uh, in my path, and I was able to come to the States. And I remember that by the fifth day that I was here, I just started going on Facebook and contacting creators, and I started contacting people. And I started to pitch stories. So by the uh, a month after being here, I contacted Concrete Comics. I didn't waste any time. And I had 10 scripts lined up just for them. Like I was like, here you go. And I think that we stay hungry precisely because of that. You don't have opportunities. So once you do have them, you want to make the best use of them as you can because this was my dream all along. I mean, I love America and I think everybody in the planet loves America. And I think everybody in Latin America can have that love for America and that love for the USA and its culture and its people. And that's something that I grew up with. You know what I mean? I grew up with the American ideal. I grew up with the, even in that last bastion of communism in America, I was looking up to the USA. So I think that shaped me into once I got here, I decided I'm going all in. One of my biggest, my biggest, uh, my biggest ideals in life is go big or go home. So everything I do, I go hard and I go with everything. Like 
I want to write a script, a 20-page script. I will write it in a weekend. I mean, I wrote the first issue of Andy Starboy in one day. It was, it was a 20-something page script, and it was in one day. Of course, lots of editing after, but, you know, I got it out in one sitting. And that's, that's the kind of thing that I think we need more of. We need more hardworking people. We need people who love to work and who are hungry to work. And that's what I'm here for. And I know that's what most people are here for. Now, you said that um, you finally came to the U.S. Um, how hard was it to adapt and to understand and to, like, I know what we do a lot as I want to count myself as a young person. But what I love to do is do a lot of <laughs> a lot of like film quotes. Do you, yeah. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's kind of like a third language. But um, how did how did you cope with all of that? And how how is your family dealing with that as well? The funny part is uh, getting used to the film quotes was not hard for me because I'm such a nerd. I just watch a ton of movies and shows and stuff. Funny thing is in Cuba, uh, we would have something called the weekly package which is some people with access to internet would download shows and movies and stuff. And they would sell those in USB drives to people. Uh, almost like it was going to Blockbuster uh, in the States, but you know, for third world Cuba. And, <laughs> and, you know, I would get a lot of shows. I would be, I would stay on top of everything that was going on in pop culture. So once I got here, I, I was pretty, on top of that, the big differences were mostly cultural and ways of, for instance, every time, every time in Cuba that you see a woman, you kiss her in the chic. Like that's a no thinking thing. And it's actually seen as very rude if you don't do it, like you're calling that woman very ugly. But if you do that here, you get your ass sent to jail. So it's just that kind of stuff. So it's not, uh, oh man, it's just a lot of stuff. Changes, migrating is extremely difficult, mostly because of culture, mostly because of the way that we need to refocus our entire selves into adapting to this new place and trying to keep your previous self and your culture as you are doing so and staying true to yourself which is something that, thank God, I've been able to do. And my family is doing good. I mean, I'm, I'm happy now in the States. You know, it's, you know how it is for us Latinos. I mean, we are able to help our families for the first time in reality once we are out of the country. So it's basically that. We just try to go forward and we try to stay in touch. I always stay in touch with my family. I talk to them every day. I talk to my friends every day. And yeah, it's great. It's just great. Even if it's, it was difficult at first, um, little by little, I find this to be my home and I find this to be my dream place to live at. What else can you tell us that I haven't asked already? Wow. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Let's see. I don't know. Danny, why are you so handsome? I don't know. 
uh, I want to thank you for sharing a beer with me. And oh, I think, you. you know, and I think because you suggested it, it's going to be a staple in every quarantine edition where we have a beer together. Sort of like, um, I can't think of what I would compare it to, but thank you so much for being here on our very first episode of Comadesi Comics, the quarantine edition. Where can our listeners find, find you? Tell us all the stuff. All right. You can find me at Daniel DeCalvo author on Instagram and Facebook. I got my Facebook page. Um, you can find Concrete Comics at, at Concrete Comics on social media as well. And you can find us at our website, www.concretecomics.com. And you can read my blog there where I interview several creators from around the, the planet, especially Latino and black creators. And yeah, you, you can follow us there. You can see our work. You can stay tuned. You can join our, our mail list and see more of our upcoming projects and, you know, stay on top of all our new releases and, you know, Andy Starboy, which is going to be the hottest comic in 2020. So there you go. Excellent. Have you ever given it a thought to actually come to Southern California during maybe like an event and promote uh, Concrete Comics and Andy Starboy? Oh, man. When have I not given it a thought? I love Cali. I got to go to Cali. I mean, Hollywood, L.A. is the epicenter of world culture. I mean, think about it. Movies, where, where are movies made? And what is the way that we shape our perception of the world basically since the 20th century is through movies, you know? So definitely Cali is on my list. I got to visit Cali. I got to visit, I got to visit. I got to, I probably, I would love to go to the Latino comics expo by Javier Hernandez. He's a, he's a friend of mine now. And, uh, yeah, I would love to go there. I would love to promote. I would love to show up to events you know, t taking pictures, be all touristy. Uh, <laughs> uh, it would be amazing. Yeah. So definitely on the list. Excellent, guys. Well, thank you so much for being on our podcast. And thank you so much for this interview. Oh, no, uh, thank you. Thank you. And uh, it has been a real pleasure to have you on the show. It has been amazing. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Bye, guys. Thank you.